We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore MBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And this is your Patrick Beverly Instant Reaction Trade Podcast. Kyle Tige, the managing editor of Canis Hoopus, joins me here. And Kyle, I'll just give you the floor because I feel like you're going to be very, very excited. Well, happy birthday. It's the big <laughs> 32. Uh, I've yes. been working on this. I've been working on this for a while. I've uh, been in the DMs for a while. But yeah, I didn't. You're a hard man to shop for. You have everything you've ever wanted in life. Uh, so <laughs> I came up with the idea to get you a hard-nosed, asshole, gritty veteran <laughs> leader who is, I believe, technically a year older than you. So you're no longer, you and Jake Lehman are no longer the veteran mentors for the team. And I don't think the Wolves have to burn a second round pick on the next Ed Davis. So uh, congratulations, Patrick Beverly, the new backup point guard for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um and what I mean, I'm caffeinated as hell right now, but I'm so excited about this move because the team just flipped a bunch of, I mean, I want you to tell me the financial stuff, but the team flipped a bunch of non-contributors into a contributor. You know what I mean? Like that's the basis yeah. of this deal for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, um, I think in a vacuum, I, I view it as a win. I don't, I don't think it's a, a bad trade at all. I mean, I think we could, if we tried hard, we could, try and highlight some things like, okay, maybe you could have got J-Mac on a long-term deal for really cheap and, you know, whatever. Now he's probably gone. Like that's really the only downside I see of it. And I think on the other side of it, you've got off of Wancho who did not want to play in Minnesota this year. That was a more of a tenuous situation. I think that people even understand. And then, you get off of Jared Culver, who has not worked here. And really, for me, a concern I had was that they would pick up Jared Culver's $8 million team option um, for the following season, which they had to decide on by October 31st. So right. it was time to decide on this Jared Culver deal. And and I think, I think, you know, with Rosa's having ties to Culver as his first first round draft pick or whatever, he might have you know, looked at the glass a little too half full on Culver and signed him to that. I think that would have been a problem. It would have cost the Wolves $8 million in cap space for, you know, for the next season. And now you have Patrick Beverly, who I think is 
is better than Jordan McLaughlin. I mean, we can talk about if we think he's better than Ricky Rubio. I think that kind of factors in here a little bit. But but yeah, I, I look at that trade come through and maybe it's because I've just generally been lower on my belief in Jared Culver. I was surprised the Wolves didn't have to attach anything to make that trade happen. Yep, I agree. I mean, you know, I think Jarrett Culver, I, I tweeted this out, but you know, he's only 22. Uh, he is by all accounts, you know, this just as well as I do, like a great person, right? <laughs> he's a great human being, um, who got shafted kind of drafted in 2019, but couldn't play summer league, no summer league 2020 because of COVID condensed seasons, all the roster turnover and stuff. He just never really got a shot. Um, mm-hmm. to me, he's kind of like another Markel Fultz in terms of, I mean, Fultz had more of an injury situation, but Culver just needs a team that he can get some run on. Um, right. However, like you said, that's not going to happen in Minnesota because of how the roster breaks down. Plus, they had to make a decision on an expensive option really, really before expensive. they could even see yeah. him. So, yeah, I mean, I just think it's a – and I think it's – obviously, anyone who listens to this knows that I'm more of an optimist just because <laughs> I'm delusional. But I think it's fair – like, I'm – so coming from me, this should be a little more impactful. Like Gerson Rosas completely butchered the Culver pick. I still support the move because anytime you can move up in a draft with a fairly replaceable player in my mind, like Sarge, to have a better draft pick, it's it's a no-brainer. It, it was the right move at the time. The person they picked was not the right pick. But I also think too, like it takes some, you know, it takes some courage or just some self-awareness, I should say. Yeah. You just cut bait when you know you messed up. And the, the, the Jerk Culver pick was a complete mess up. And paying Wancho what they did was also another mess up. mess up. And they basically undid two mistakes, added a rotation player who also, too, like we can get into this in a sec, but like I, I, I you, you, can't, you can't build these rosters like they're 2K or like they're a dynasty fantasy team where everyone's under 25. Like you, like these, you do need adults in the locker room. You do need people that on the bus hold players accountable and stuff. And that's what this team didn't have. So Jake Lehman being the veteran presence was to me, I know it's not exciting to talk about, but it was frightening because they didn't have any adults. And now Patrick Beverly's been through, I mean, Patrick, Patrick Beverly's story of how he got to the league is wild. that dude is not going to take practices off. So, uh, they, they, they admitted two mistakes they brought in a rotation player. And like you said, the most important thing this offseason, they haven't mortgaged the future. They haven't right. traded any future firsts, future second. I mean, they, they obviously lost the Ed Davis pick, but that was earlier. No future seconds. They haven't taken on additional money. Like they're setting, they haven't blown people away with their offseason, but they haven't hurt. Like they're just, they're keeping things clean. They're keeping things flexible while kind of upgrading the roster, right? I mean, Beverly Rubio hit me with your analysis on it, but. Beverly and Prince can play on this team, and I don't think Culver and Wancho could play. So, Well, I, I think, yeah, so to put the two trades together, which we've kind of been waiting to do with the Rubio-Prince swap, right? Like, we were all, I think it was pretty consensus that we were optimistic about the value of the Prince-Rubio swap, provided it led to something else, right? Like, that was, it was, the grade was, the grade on that trade was kind of tbd depending on what the Wolves were able to do with the $4.8 million of space they created by swapping Rubio for Prince. Now, there's still some of that money left, but where we sit now is it's Torian Prince, Patrick Beverly, and $3.8 million more in space underneath the luxury tax, which probably 
creates enough room to bring in Jared Vanderbilt in exchange for Rubio, Culver, and Wancho. And the Wolves got a second round pick out of that there too. And so I think it's a it's a good point you bring up. And quite frankly, what I'm kind of surprised in is that Rosas has been patient and has not gotten antsy enough to trade even a second round pick or a, you know, or a first round pick to go get someone. And and personally, my opinion is that's smart to hang on to those future assets unless you are going to get a really high-level player. They have not gone and got a really high-level player in Torian Prince and Patrick Beverly, but they haven't had to pay anything really to do so. So when we put those vacuums together, I think that's a I think that's a pretty decent set of two trades together. Um, again, like is Patrick Beverly a, a long-term piece? Is this going to be something they they benefit from in the future? I, I mean, I don't know, but we're talking about trading. Rubio, Culver, and Wancho, all expiring contracts for Prince and Beverly, expiring contracts, picking up some cap flexibility and picking up a second round pick. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a, I think that's a non-sexy offseason, but I don't think, objectively, I don't think that's a bad set of moves at all. Well, and if it wasn't, if it wasn't for us losers in the mainstream media, like you and I, who have had to do content all summer with nothing to do and getting people's hopes up with John <laughs> Collins and... Ben Simmons and all these stuff. Uh, maybe people wouldn't be as, you know, some people are still kind of neutered by like this. You're excited about swapping Rubio for Beverly and swapping these guys. But like you said, they, they haven't, I know it's weird to be like, wow, you're celebrating not making future mistakes, but I don't know when, when you, when you look at what happened this 2020, because it happens every off season or 2021, I should say, look at every other off season before teams like the bulls really won the summer. That's awesome. But it might also not work. Yeah, and good point. Nine months from now, you're going to see. I mean, look at what teams like the Celtics did before the draft for some of these teams that unloaded f- first round picks to just get off of bad decisions. And the Wolves so far haven't had to burn any draft capital to get off of mistakes. They've been able to find people that are willing to take some of their mistakes and, you know, see if, I mean, like I said, may- maybe Memphis keeps Culver and tries to give him some run or who knows what will happen. But I just I'm really impressed by the fact that as the screws have tightened as and, and we know they have on the front office um, and kind of being in more of a win now mentality that they haven't necessarily made a win now move that would be, you know, like they haven't. I'm sure they could have gotten marketing, right? If you wanted to pay the, the first round price of adding yeah, first there, picks, there's a price like, for everyone. Yeah. Do you want to do that? Um, and they and, said and no. It was so harder. And, and it was like. I think a real variable in when you talk about Markinen or any of these guys, particularly sign and trade guys like Markinen, like the Wolves were also going to need to create additional space to be able to make that happen. So it wasn't just like a first for Markinen, whatever, because and granted, they put themselves in this situation, a bad cap situation, but they were in a bad cap situation. So you would have to you would have had to pay money to create space and to do all these sorts of things. So they just you know, what I've been saying for a few weeks now is the situation that the Wolves entered the offseason with in with 13 players under contract and barely any space, three million dollars below the luxury tax line. Like I miss that. I think we all miss that. That screamed a, a summer of inactivity, right? Or minimal activity. And I don't know, maybe my, you know, our heads were too high in the sky of like we thought Rosas was going to be aggressive and do all these sort of things. But I think the like the data out there suggested that the that an aggressive summer 
oddly, would look kind of like this because aggression was going to be found in making moves to create a little space without adding any sort of picks. And, and you know, to that end, they've done that. Is this going to be something that, you know, makes the team better uh, next season? I don't totally have my my head wrapped around that yet. I got to think about how Prince and Beverly fit together. I got We got to kind of know if Vanderbilt is actually going to be back and, and how this, you know, how this comes together. But just generally speaking, do you see the Timberwolves now after acquiring Patrick Beverly? What do, what do you, as we sit here right now, I'll, I'll give you Vanderbilt other team too. What do you think this team's record will be? Bro, I haven't even had breakfast yet. You didn't tell me that. <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, well, and I think you have to factor in too, if, you, if I get to just add Jared Vanderbilt back to the roster, which it sounds like it's likely, but I mean, you know, there was a report earlier this week that Jordan McLaughlin was likely, right? And now that seems mm-hmm. less likely because yeah, these but, things move so fast, though. I can interject there too. Like, Vanderbilt, I would have put in the likely category. McLaughlin was was a couple tiers below that. They, uh, you know, I mean, if this didn't come to fruition, right, 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 it, it was it was less likely. So, anyways, continue. But I was just going to say, like, if you're going to give me Jared Vanderbilt as an assumption, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm also going to take Leandro Balmero, who that domino you would think will fall any day now. But um, I don't know. You you had tweeted out earlier this week the uh, over under win totals for Vegas, right? Right. And they're set at thirty four and a half. Um. And it is one of my missions in life is to not go at you on Twitter. I'll just text you and blow you up on the side. But uh, I also looked back at like the 2020 win totals, and I believe it was 18 teams surpassed their over under, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of a weird number. But I mean, it basically, over half the league just surpassed them. And I mean, the Knicks blew their over under total by 20 wins or something. So that stuff doesn't mean a lot to me. I didn't panic when I was like, wow, they only have them pegged at 34 and a half. But as an optimist, but also I think a realist, especially after a deal like this and the, we could maybe touch on this to wrap up, but the possibility of what these types of moves, getting a Prince on an expiring, getting a Beverly on an expiring, matching those salaries up, you know, in a potential future move. um, I'm going to, I'm going to hammer the shit out of the over. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to hammer it. I have friends in Vegas. We're going like over 34 and a half um, because I really think that, you know, listening to Chris, by the way, hell of a job in Vegas. No one does, no one's productive in Vegas. And for you to put those two podcasts together is congratulations. But hearing Chris Finch talk about what he wants to do and reading what he said to Britt, I mean, I think that yeah. guy is maybe just as more, just as important as whatever Gerson Rosas is doing. Um, I think he's going to totally. coach the hell out of those guys. I think they're going to wrap up their assistant coaching staff. And I think, yeah, like I said, 40 wins, I mean, 41, 41. Uh, 500 ball is not out of the question. I mean, that's not even the optimist speaking. It's just this team has toughness and grit and, you know, a little more defense now and players. They don't just have bench guys. They have actual rotation players. So if you get a leap from Ant, you see what Jaden's done in the summer. Um, It's also okay to expect shit, right? It's okay to be like, yeah, you, this is a 41 and 41 team. Stop, you know, worrying about losing and start going out there and be like, we're going to win tonight. We're going to win tonight. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I, I, I'm with you too. I, I, I'm going to actually have uh, Michael Rand on the, on the pod actually later today as well. And, and he, he went through it in a, a column he wrote at startribune.com of just about how the wolves have hit the, hit the over three times since 2007, since KG left. Right. So it's, it's never been a, uh, you know, a historically profitable, uh, 
profitable bet, but I really do is I, I don't know if it's pessimist or realist or whatever. I, I think I, I fall more on, on that side of it, but I think 34 and a half is too low. And, and I think this trade today for next season makes you better. I don't think Jerk Culver or Juancho Orna Gomez were going to be players that were going to be in the rotation. And if they were, I don't think they would be, you know, positive assets, positive attribute, bring positive attributes to the floor for this team. So to be able to swap them out for Patrick Beverly, who I think is going to bring you, you know, positive intangibles at a minimum and probably, you know, 40% three point shooting from the corners, like that makes you better. Um, so, you know, if I were Vegas, I, I would boost a, a win or two on it. And, and one thing that kind of got lost in our last discussion, but I think it's important is like, you know, up until today, other than the Rubio trade, nothing's gone on. Right. I mean, right. we spent, a, we had Nathan night week at Canis <laughs> because we had nothing else to talk about. Um, but I think again, Gerson Rosas, you know, I said butchered the Culver pick and had dug some of these holes with like the Wancho contract, but he also dug himself out of it. And I think someone like you who's plugged in, like they probably could have unloaded Culver and Wancho weeks ago and got us excited, but mm -hmm. they would have had to have attached. They would have had to have attached draft capital. So the patience in how they've attached this or attacked this summer is noteworthy in the sense that they waited until the right domino had fallen you know, the Clippers cleaned out their roster issues and put it on Memphis. And now the Wolves kind of use that as an opportunity to kind of jump in and, and get a guy that fits them and clean up their own roster issue. But um, I, I have to throw this to you now because we're doing all this stuff live and Woj was on earlier today. Um, people, Some people might hate this, but the biggest thing to me is that the Wolves brought in expiring contracts, didn't lose future draft capital, their books are a little cleaner, a little more organized. They have guys that teams, you know, Patrick Beverly would be sought after at the right price by mm -hmm. playoff contending teams. You have, you're running into a situation where the Minnesota Timberwolves might again, patience be the last team standing in a Ben Simmons trade. Let's take a quick break. And then we'll talk about that. General managers ask questions like, is Patrick Beverly good when they're hiring people? And when you're hiring, you can use Indeed assessments to help make you find candidates with the skills you need. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring people incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope your perfect candidate will find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, choose from 135 skilled tests to help you make sure you're finding applications from people with the skills you need. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offered valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. So yeah, Kyle, I mean, as, as I talked about while I was in Vegas, you know, I, I think I talked about on the pod with, with John and with Britt, like the, the Ben Simmons thing is not dead. I think, I don't know if John said 6%, I said 8% or whatever. I mean, it was in the conversations that I had in, in Las Vegas, not just with Timberwolves people, but other, you know, other people around the league, it's, 
you aren't wrong to say that the the Timberwolves are are the last or one of the last teams standing in in a Ben Simmons deal. Now that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to execute, right? right that's one right, one hundred percent. That's one of the things Gerson always says, right? Is you 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 set you set yourself up to be in a position to to execute when the opportunity comes. And and obviously his like kind of prime example of that is James Harden when he was in Houston. The you know the floor kind of fell out below the the James Harden market when he was in OKC. You know didn't get the didn't get the max from them and Houston was primed and ready to execute when that opportunity came. I I think the Wolves view themselves as being in that spot, but they will only they will only jump if if they find you know the price to be reasonable and you know and if it's something that they ultimately determine is in, within their vision of of kind of a, a more win now move. What does Mark Laurie think about that? You know, that's a big variable in this. Is he is he green lighting a, a more immediate path to to playoffs and relevance? Or is he cool with, you know, taking a longer, you know, longer look? We talk about these timelines all, all the time. Where does Mark Laurie f- fall on that? I think that's a huge variable in this because Gerson Rosa's as much as he talks about sustainability, I think he he is kind of in a spot where he wants to be sustainable, but he also wants his team to get better so he can keep his job, right? And and that lines up pretty good for a GM to be pushing a little bit harder within reason uh, on a Ben Simmons move, but also, you know, yeah, I mean, being willing to to make it if it presents itself. And and again, this isn't a Ben Simmons podcast. This is about no. Patrick Beverly trade. But Patrick and- Beverly makes fourteen point three million dollars. Uh, Torian Prince makes $13 million. Like we talk about this all the time. The, those salary, those middling salary slots that put you in a place to stack up, you know, enough outgoing salary match that isn't a glaring negative. And, and I don't think that either of those guys individually are a glaring negative. Like if they were free agents this summer, they would, I, I don't know exactly how much they probably wouldn't be making that much, but you know, they're, they're reasonable pieces to be like, yeah, I could see a team like Philly or a third team being cool, taking back that sort of money. And that's a, that is a key thing in being able to execute on a trade. And again, you and I, you just got back from the desert. Um, we're both poker players at heart. Um, but again, it, it, this might have nothing to do with Ben Simmons. Like that, that, that might just never happen. But as poker players, you know, when you have a the, the Wolves, ironically, in my mind, as you're starting to see some of the other teams that were associated with Simmons earlier this summer, have made moves now that make it much more difficult for them to be in that sweepstakes. And as I think John reported earlier today on KFAN about how the market for Simmons has dried up, like the Wolves could just, again, using patience, just kind of be that chip stack that just kind of leans on Philly. And I, because I don't think Philly has a lot of leverage right now, even though I know they have Simmons under contract for four more years. Um, Mm-hmm. And just just that ability to just play the long game, keep, you know, that, that that's my whole take on this trade and the Rubio trade is just continue to, uh, you know, upgrade your roster or you'll fix, fix holes or, you know, kind of move depth chart stuff around, accumulate little things, whether it be expiring contracts or, or second round picks or just not hurting yourself and just staying flexible. And that is, you know, Gerson Rosas has promised the big moves, right? And we've right. talked about enough now that that really hasn't happened this summer, but he's also stressed flexibility. And this team, I think after the Rubio trade and now into the Beverly trade, um, is more flexible than they were a month ago, two months ago. So 
to me, that makes it a win. Now, again, you're not going to be the Phoenix Suns by just flipping Juancho Hernan Gomez and his one shoulder for Patrick <laughs> Beverly, but you, you haven't hurt yourself, and now you are kind of poised again to blow up our phones next Tuesday, right? Like, there's still... <laughs> I know the summer is kind of winding down and it seems like, okay, let's bring in Balmero, put him on Lake Minnetonka and then re-sign Jared Vanderbilt. But <laughs> I think this keeps us glued to our phones for another couple months because they're going to continue to look around for those future trades. There's, I would be, would you be shocked if there was another trade that came down no, right around man, my wedding been... and I have to log into my computer? <laughs> no, they've been, I mean, they've been poking. I mean, they've been poking and they've been waiting for, they are waiting for shoes to drop. And I, as I shared on Twitter earlier today, like one they were waiting on was Marcus Smart. And, and like Marcus Smart was on an expiring contract about for about the exact same money as, as Patrick Beverly. And obviously that would have cost more for, for the wolves to acquire. <laughs> they would have had to certainly give up more of the Jarrett Culver and Juancho Hernan Gomez for him. But you know, that's a player I know that they were pursuing. And and now, you know, Patrick Beverly is kind of like a discount version of of Marcus Smart. Right. And that is that is your obviously defensive player, but a, a culture setter. I mean, that that's what I, I kept hearing when I was in Vegas of, of what the Wolves want to add is is if they're going to add someone. They're going to add a, you know, a culture setter. And I think it's interesting the you know, the type of culture setter they're targeting. If we look at Marcus Smart, if we look at Patrick Beverly, um, you know, they're they're being real about needing to to address this defense, to address a, a young roster. And if they want to be a winning team, like Rosas and Finch said on my podcast, like you need, you need more players. You need more adults in the room. You need to set a culture of winning to be able to win. And, you know, they're, they're moving in that direction with, with Patrick Beverly again, not exactly a sexy move or anything like that, but it's, uh, it's interesting to me to see that that is, has been at least one of the paths that they've been targeting here. Also, can you imagine Patrick Beverly and Jaden McDaniels just talking shit? <laughs> like that's going to be phenomenal, right? Um, but no, I mean, I think uh, I think it'll be. I think he brings veteran leadership off the court. I know I'm just feverishly scrolling through my phone as we're recording, but Doogie had tweeted out that uh, all sources said that Beverly was really happy about this move. I mean, I'm, maybe he sees Minnesota as a brighter future than Memphis. I mean, Memphis had a gluttony of different guards on that roster uh, when they also had Rondo. Yeah, well, Rosas and, and Rosas and Bev are cool. Like this is very similar to the PJ Tucker situation. Like this is a guy that Rosas loves. And I've, I mean, it, it is what it is at this point. Like Rosas is really into guys from Houston that he, you know, he had there, whether they be coaches or, or players and in that sort of way. I mean, he, him, it was Rosas and Sam Hinkie back in Houston working together, um, you know, around 2010 that scouted uh, Patrick Beverly and ultimately brought him over to, to the Rockets in, I think it was 2011. So it's like Rosas has his guys and, and, and Patrick Beverly is, you know, is, is certainly, is certainly one of them. So I think, I think Rosas is pumped over there to be able to have gotten his guy that, you know, it's, it's kind of like D'Lo. He, he might, Gerson Rosas might be, might believe in D'Angelo Russell more than anybody else in the league. Gerson Rosas might believe in Patrick Beverly more than anyone else in the league. Gerson Rosas might believe in PJ Tucker more than anyone else in the league. And, you know, those are the guys. It's his prerogative to, you know, to, to pursue. I'm just glad, as somebody who would like to see the Wolves do well, that, you know, he didn't pay out the nose to get Patrick Beverly in the way he did for D'Angelo Russell. Well, and again, no one, 
no one wants to give them enough credit, but the Timberwolves really helped Team USA win gold medal by holding Wancho out. So first they helped <laughs> us win a gold medal, and now they've helped, you know, kind of clear the roster and the books a little bit going forward. Because like you said, it, the, the Wancho contract and the Culver contract weren't exactly spire, expirings, but they also weren't guaranteed mm-hmm. deals. But it just, it kind of removes those items from Dane's really detailed Excel spreadsheet that he tweets out. And now you have... <laughs> A little extra draft capital. You have those three second round picks in 2022. You own all your future first, which is what, you know, I'm a huge fan, but that's what bad teams should do, right? Like you should own your first round picks when For you're sure. not good yet. Um, so it's just a really, it's a fascinating Tuesday deal, right? When we're just like kind of scratching and clawing our way to hopefully an off season where we can all just talk about the best jerseys in Timberwolves history for a while. Um, And it also kind of keeps you on edge because, I mean, I think people were like, oh, Patrick Beverly, when he got traded, like he, it's a numbers game in Memphis. Maybe he'll get bought out or something. I never thought a deal like this was possible. Um, And it just kind of gives you, if you're a fan or you cover the team, it just kind of gives you that extra incentive to be like, "I, I wonder if this is it. Or like, if this is just another domino in what could be a couple extra seismic moves that none of us would see coming or Kyle even if it's not it's like I mean we haven't really talked about this maybe this is the last thing but you know does Patrick Beverly just fit better than Ricky Rubio does like I I think you know if we're doing the whole 2k rating thing of just ranking them as point guards I think Ricky Rubio is probably higher than Patrick Beverly is but Again, like context is super important in this. Like, how does Ricky Rubio fit into the Minnesota Timberwolves versus how does Patrick Beverly fit into the Minnesota Timberwolves? We know that Ricky Rubio and the fit next to D'Angelo Russell, who they're very committed to, was wonky, right? And and a lot of it has to do with the fact that Ricky would, while playing next to D'Lo, would have to play off ball a lot. And playing off ball a lot, ask Ricky Rubio to catch and shoot and make threes, right? And that isn't a strength of Ricky's. It is a strength of Patrick Beverly's. Like, I, I, it's very easy for me to envision D'Angelo Russell bringing the ball up the court and Patrick Beverly running to the corner and, and playing out of there and, you know, swing, swing, pick and roll. And, and now you have Patrick Beverly catching and shooting from the corner versus Ricky Rubio. Like, that's going to go more, go in more often from Patrick Beverly. And, you know, to that end, I kind of like the offensive fit, right? Because so much of what Ricky Rubio was good at offensively is neutered in the context of the Wolves system. So, yeah. And and then I think Patrick Beverly is just a better defender than Rubio is. Not that Rubio is a bad defender, but I mean, Pat Bev, you know, knock on wood with age and everything should be able to be an impactful player. So he is a two-way, a two-way player in, in that he can bring you something up, bring this team something on offense and something on defense. Now, is it a super high-level two-way player? No. But the fit, the fit is pretty good in in my eyes. And from a veteran mentorship standpoint, going from Rubio, oh, Rubio, by the way, one of my favorite players of all time. But going from Rubio to Pat Bev is like going from Space Jam to He Got Game. Like <laughs> this is another level of of veteran mentorship. So, and again, too, I, I think. It was so long ago, and we've touched on it at all different angles. But the Rubio thing, like I said, while his production last year might have had a multiple reasons, COVID, condensities, all that stuff, just weird fit, um, he definitely balled out in the Olympics. And I think he's going to be a good player in Cleveland, and he's a phenomenal human being. So I think it's hard to really match. He's such a more likable player than Pat Bev, who, I mean, prior to this morning, I hated. And now I'm trying <laughs> to like invite him to my wedding. So he's, he's a guy that you only cheer for when he's on your team. But... Again, I go back to one of my random 
uh, things that I've always just been about when I cheer for different teams, especially the Wolves, is that you just like I was bummed when James Johnson got traded, not because I mean it got Rubio and it got picks. That was a great deal, but because he's a badass and like you need guys like Tucker's and James Johnson's and Crowder's. You need guys that like you know like Jade McDaniel's can hold his own in a fight, but like you need guys that are just tough. And now Pat Bev's borderline, you know, well, particularly on this team, you probably yeah, need he, it on this team with these person. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with that. And Pat, I mean, Pat Bev toes the line of, you know, getting in the mud a little bit. I mean, let's, let's not remember when we're uh, penciling in our game one depth chart and rotations. Pat Bev's not in that. Cause he's suspended for game one from his Chris, <laughs> from his Chris Paul incident. I forgot um, about that. <laughs> so if you're, if you're trying to project his stats, please use 81 games, not 82. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's just it, it's a it's a move again, kind of like the, the Rubio Prince thing that I wrote about, like you probably address a bigger need. And if the players are close, right, like I think of our fantasy football days, if you're trading players that are kind of close, but you're the team getting the cash and the pick, you you kind of win. Right. Like that's how mm-hmm. this is. Again, you're trading two guys that had zero future and we're probably both just happy to get out of here. Wancho for different reasons in Culver. But for a guy that, you know, like Doogie said, is really excited to reunite with with his former GM and people he knows and has a carved out role more than he did in Memphis. Um, those those are two good strung together deals now that kind of elevate you a little bit and then keep everything open for another podcast that we do before breakfast down the road. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, I'm with it. And, and there's still like the... There's still like the ellipses at the end of this, right? Like dot, 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 what, what's next? And what's next could be nothing. I mean, this could, this could pretty much be it, or it'd be something that's relatively tepid and Vanderbilt and Bomaro officially signs. And that is what, you know, that is the off season. But I mean, again, from talking to people in Vegas, it's like this season is on a different calendar and right. And like normally once we've crowned a summer league champion, it's it's dead time, right? Maybe one or two trades trickle out um, before the lead up to training camp. But again, this is just from, you know, the people I've talked to. That is not the expectation around the league. Does that mean it's the Timberwolves? No, but but we are entering another trade window and in the in the NBA and whatever you call that Simmons, you call that there, there's a lot, there's, there's guys still out there who, who have, you know, futures that are not locked into their, to their current places. So um, yeah, it, the dot, dot, dot is interesting from, from the Timberwolves perspective. And even if it's just Vanderbilt, like this is your off season, you got, you got Prince in a second for Rubio, you got Beverly for, for Wancho and Culver, you know, is it sexy? No, but I, I, don't think like I, I don't leave this like I've left some of the other moves of Rosa's pastime, like the adding Omari Spellman and Jacob Evans. We're like, wait, what's going on here? Ed Davis, wait, we first we gave up second. You know, there, I have none of that. I, I have none of that to these moves, which I think is, you know, is is encouraging by rel- you know, and, relatively speaking. And, and let's end it on this, but because I think it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit because we didn't see like a two for one deal like this happening. Um, we've talked about how the Jordan McLaughlin thing seems far, you know, more far fetched now um, for that. It's third, not going to happen. I mean, right. The, for that what, third what I heard spot. is they were, they were offering him a three year deal 
um, for a little bit above the minimum. And, you know, that was kind of going to be the plan. Like J-Mac was going to be the backup point guard. Ant was going to be, you know, also in in the mix as a as a primary guard. But they were also waiting around to see if there was a Marcus Smart, or if there was a, you know, Patrick Beverly became available. So J-Mac was, a, and I think that's a pretty like good option. If you, if you lock in J-Mac at like $2 million a year in the out years, like, and he ends up being a solid point guard, that's a, that's an asset, right? But at, you know, at, at this point, it's not, I think that's the opportunity cost of this deal. But I mean, a good Jordan McLaughlin trade is, or a good Jordan McLaughlin contract isn't that great of an asset. So right, right. But 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 my, my thing was, and you were the one that touched on this. Um, I think we were just before today presuming that it was just kind of like Jordan McLaughlin, Jared Vanderbilt announced right. the Balmero news, and then just kind of like let's coast. just yeah. coast. Um, but the thing I wanted to throw to you now to end this is that that roster spot. You know what yeah. I mean? It's it, it's it's as you've tweeted out very well with the financials and stuff. It, it's likely a minimum deal. You know, you kind of have this little space under the under this uh, luxury tax, but um, that's that's one thing that they didn't have, right? Like we just kind of thought we knew who the sure. final pieces would be, and now you have this mystery box that is probably going to be for a minimum. But like you know more than I know on all this stuff, but I know they've kicked the tires on Paul Millsap. Like, will he? I mean, he would be a great person to slide into that power forward spot um mm -hmm. can you find another guy that's just you know willing to take a minimum deal and be a starter and you promise them that if things don't work out you'll trade them to a contender in february like it sure. just gives you so many more options now to kind of fine-tune this roster before we kick things off in september and, and maybe it's uh maybe it's like last year remember they went into the season with just 14 guys under contract they had an open spot that was you know kind of left you uh, that was the whole letting go of Rondé Hollis Jefferson and leaving open a spot to potentially add someone down the road. Maybe that's what it is too. And, and they haven't, they have Vanderbilt and then an open spot that they, you know, they could use to sign guys, you know, uh, along the season. Maybe it's, it's upping Nathan Knight to a real, to a real NBA contract, something like that. Like you do. I, I think the spot is, is somewhat meaningful. It could be, I don't know if Millsap's going to sign for the minimum, but there, there's guys out there that, you know, you you could see as valuable rotation pieces in the context of the Timberwolves that that could sign in that spot where before it it seemed it seemed pretty you know it did seem pretty unlikely. So yeah, the reality of the situation is the Wolves sit here seven million dollars uh, below the luxury tax line after this deal. I'm assuming Vando's going to sign for like five million a year, and then you got like two million to work with. So. Let's, you know, let's let, let's see how they use that on a minimum. Let's see what they can get for, you know, for two million dollars or what or if they, they leave it there. But there's there is there's certainly like something left to, to be happened there. And, and, you know, Kyle, we'll see. Well, on behalf of me and the Minnesota Timberwolves, again, happy 32nd birthday. <laughs> um, we gave you some content and a Woj bomb uh, on this beautiful Tuesday. And yeah, like I said, the the state of the Timberwolves is a little brighter than it was um, before we woke up this morning and now we'll see if, if, and when the next couple dominoes fall, because there are, there are dominoes left to fall guaranteed dominoes, whether it be Balmero, Vanderbilt, something sure. else. So, um, stay tuned. He's Kyle Tige at Kyle Tige, um, writing all the time over at CandiceSuperstock.com. I'm sure you guys can have a bunch of stuff up there this afternoon, instant reaction on that. So, so go check out Canis. Um, for me, I will be back actually later this afternoon with Michael Rand on the pod. We're going to go through some of the over-unders. And then I will have Britt 
uh, on later this week after part two of his Q&A with Chris Finch, which was, as Kyle said, was awesome. Um, go go check that out. So this week we will have uh, we'll have a lot of Timberwolves content and then uh, and then hopefully we can all hibernate soon. But until then, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. Peace out. For me. How I'm feeling, man, I'm hoping never stop, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let's stand up.